Hey all, a quick note before we start the show. On an earlier episode of Alt Latino, we said that the performer Kali Uchis was going to be part of our El Tiny takeover of the Tiny Desk. She is no longer part of the lineup. And now, on with the show. From NPR Music, this is Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras. And I'm Ana Maria Sayer. Let the chisme begin. And we have a lot of chisme to go over this week. So much chisme, Felix. I love weeks like this. The nominations for the 2023 Latin Grammys were just announced. And that is on our plate today. That's our menu for this little (laughs) chat session. I mean, I immediately texted you very excited when we saw the list because of how controversial I felt it was going to be. You know, I have a love-hate relationship with the Academy, both the Latin Academy and the Academy for the Grammys. There's always something to go after them about. I know, Felix, you have seen this happen a million times over. I mean, they're always leaving someone out. 24 times, as a matter of fact. (laughs) It's the 24th annual. (laughs) But, I mean, I do think that this year is pretty unique. In previous years, it's been reggaeton. They snubbed Bad Bunny for Rosalia. But I, I, I think, again, this is a significant snub that we just saw happen. But it's such a big topic that we needed to bring in help. We have our incredible, amazing member of the Alt Latino Chisme Slack producer extraordinaire, Isabella Gomez-Sarmiento, on the mic with us this week. Isa, thank you so much for helping us. Thank you for bringing me in for the snub allegations. Thrilled, thrilled to discuss. <laughs> thrilled to gossip. You will be the arbiter of the truth. <laughs> okay, let's get into it. All right, we're talking about Mexican regional. We're talking about what can be perceived as a lack of presence within the nominations. I mean, my love, corridos tumbados, generally across the board, regional Mexican music has literally not only taken the Latin music world by storm this year, but the music world, point blank period, globally. I mean, we've talked about this a thousand times, Ella Baila Sola breaking records, all of these songs making it on the Billboard Top 200, these artists coming out, a lot of them really, really fresh, brand new, and making huge waves, names for themselves, names for Latin music on the global scale. And yet, you look at the tally of how many nominations each artist got, and you have to go down 25 names before you hit the first pure regional artist or songwriter. I mean, Besides Edgar Barrera, but he writes for everyone across genre, the first pure regional name was 25 down at two nominations. That's insane to me. But at the same time, it, the third category, Song of the Year, there are two songs, the Grupo Frontera Bad Bunny track and then Peso Pluma and Eslabón Armado. So they're in at least one of the major categories. True, but in a year where they literally swept the Billboard charts to only see two songs and not for record of the year, not acknowledging, because that is not a nomination for Peso Pluma. Ella Baila Sola being on song of the year because he did not write that song, that is a songwriting nomination. That is not a nomination for this artist that literally took regional Mexican music and Latin music to the Billboard top charts like 10 times this year. 
So Ana, when you're looking at this list of names, the name that is missing for you, what, who is that? Peso Pluma? Peso Pluma, Grupo Frontera, um, Esleban Armado. I mean, all of those to me should have at least been Best New Artist nominations. So the thing that's complicated about this, right? Like we have artists like Peso Pluma and Nata who have had such huge summers, but their albums came out in June. Their albums came out after the cutoff period in May of 2023. So they're not eligible technically for that work of music. However, does that mean that they're not eligible for any of the other categories? Does that mean they should have been absent? I mean, it doesn't seem like it, does it? I mean, I think honestly, yeah, and, and I acknowledge the cutoff thing and, and that's a separate issue and, and most of them did release their albums after the fact. But to me, like they weren't even prepared to acknowledge them as artists, period. Like the fact that they're still keeping them in the separate category that includes Norteño, it includes Mariachi, and it includes Banda. I mean, where does Corridos Tumbados, where does Sireño, where does what Yaritza's doing with this kind of like stripped down corrido? Like, I don't even see where that fits. And I think that they weren't even prepared to acknowledge or represent or promote the music that is really important to people this year. But do we need to rely on the Academy or the record industry to be able to acknowledge and represent what's popular with people? Because it's this is one of those instances where you know the people have spoken, right? They have spoken with their clicks, with their downloads, with their streams. Like we know what's popular. Do we need to rely on an industry or an establishment to be able to acknowledge that? I mean, I think we do for a couple of reasons, right? Like in one in one sense, looking at these nominations, Anna and I were texting and it's like, they don't feel as relevant, right? When you have these huge artists, these huge movements not included. But then also, I mean, what does that acknowledgement do for an artist? What is getting the recognition from the Academy for a genre that's been marginalized, right? Like you have to take into consideration the sort of like social implications of regional social implications of, like you were saying, Felix, other people who have been left out. What does that say that the Academy is not co-signing these artists that are leading the way? Yeah. And I think, you know, Felix, you love to talk about how the importance of the Academy and the Grammys, it's really about the down ballot because it, it gives them an opportunity to promote themselves more. But I think in a moment like this, and, and I think for reggaeton as well, when you're taking a music that was marginalized, that is now popularized, like something like the Academy, which was designed to give Latin music its moment, to give it its flowers, to give it its acknowledgement when the gringo Grammys wouldn't. Literally, it was designed to give marginalized music a space to be seen and to be celebrated when they won't acknowledge this music because it's still too pueblo for them. Like that to me feels like a really important statement of, I don't know, what we as a community care about. You want to go on the record with Gringo Grammys? A hundred percent. Okay. All right. <laughs> you absolutely should. Okay. You're saying the quiet part out loud. Okay. <laughs> 
else, what else would you call it? <laughs> uh, everyone always struggles. The regular Grammys, the mainstream gringo Grammys. Grammys. The we Gram- all know okay. it. If Bad Bunny can say gringo Grammys in his interviews, so can Anna. <laughs> I am Bad Bunny. <laughs> No, but you're right. I've been covering not just the Latin Grammys from the beginning. They coincided with about the same time I started at NPR. So the coverage has been consistent for 24 years. So, But also going back to looking at the Grammys and the relationship with hip-hop and how long that organization took to accept hip-hop into the mainstream, the quote-unquote mainstream within the establishment. There, there, is, there is a parallel. There's a precedent for that. Same thing with reggaeton. Well, I mean, there's still tension, right? There's still tension on, like, Tyler, the creator, getting a nod for an urban category as opposed to getting a nod for a pop category. Like, I think the way that the Academy, both the Gringo Grammys and the Latin Grammys, choose to categorize artists says a lot about, like, how we break down ourselves into hierarchies in society. And I think in Latin America, like, regional and reggaeton, that's working class music, you know? That's black and brown people music. And I think that the Academy... Whether or not they were trying to, it's it's a choice to leave those people out. And, you know, I mean, that speaks to obviously like with streaming services and like Spotify and with TikTok, like there's so much more direct accessibility for everyone right now. Right. Like people can find that's why we're elevating reggaeton. That's why we're elevating regional, because people can find the music that speaks to their experiences and they can listen to it. And that's what explodes. And that's like a beautiful moment to have, I think, in the world right now in terms of music. But at the same time, when these institutionalized things won't acknowledge the power of that, I think it does still matter because I think what they did was intentional. Like going back to Ella Baila Sola, not being nominated for record of the year only song it's like to literally leave peso pluma out of the nomination process altogether when he is undoubtedly maybe the most impactful artist of this year like just based solely on the way that people have fallen in love with and played his music everywhere i mean it does it feels really elitist and it's not the first time that either the Latin Academy or the Gringo Grammys Academy have been accused of being elitist. No, and I mean, I think we're seeing it in other categories too, right? Like... It's been a really big year for women and queer people in reggaeton, in hip-hop. Young Miko put out an incredible EP last year, Trap Kitty. She's risen for the past year. Like, you know, she had her first single on the Hot 100. She's opening shows for Carol G. She's touring internationally. Same can be said for Vidal Montiano. She's broken outside of Puerto Rico in such a huge way, talking about queerness, talking about pleasure, talking about all of these taboos. And they're nowhere to be found on this list. And that, I mean, that just reads as like intentional marginalization. And I think that's just another example of the way that there's this disconnect between the Academy seeing and acknowledging issues that that we're ready to see and acknowledge. Like the people are ready to feel represented, to see gender issues talked about, to see queerness talked about in music, acknowledged, represented, expressed at the forefront. And the Academy doesn't want to see that. And I don't know what that is. And I don't know if that says something larger about 
ignoring, you know, the, the parallels with the Gringo Grammys, like the way that we as a people, as a diaspora, are still struggling with this tension of both wanting to move forward and acknowledge some of these things, but feeling also held back by some of the taboos around these conversations. So how do you fix that? What do you do? Well, God, Felix, you had to make it complicated. <laughs> I just wanted to rant. All of a sudden, I'm going to snap my fingers and you are in charge of the Latin Grammys. I mean, seriously, what do we do? Like, it's, We need to remind folks that the academy, we keep calling the academy, this mysterious academy, it's a group of professionals, people, songwriters, musicians, producers, all kinds of music professionals that are in the industry that vote according to whatever genre they're related to, right? Going down the list, classical, jazz, regional, pop, and there's a ton of even Portuguese and Portuguese folk. You know, there's a lot of different things there. The Academy, a group of people who are assigned to committees to consider nominations. So they are living, breathing people who are out there working in the industry. Granted, they're older, skews older, always has. Like, what do you do? What do you do if you're running things? How do you fix that? Well, Felix, and I mean, the the unspoken thing within what you just said, too, is it's also a bunch of label people who are told who to vote for. And that speaks to, obviously, the power and the money within the label world and the fact that, I mean, we've both been, Felix, you and I have both been to the Latin Grammys. And you know, it's it's this world that's split between the label people who are there and the independent hopeful people who are there who are hoping they can take power from the label and hoping they can still, you know, have a presence there and a name there. And I do think the power is shifting and there's there is more energy towards, I think, the independent world. And especially because, like we said, music is in the hands of the consumer right now. And that is really powerful. And I think labels are still trying to figure out a way to grasp that. So in some ways, it's this really imperfect, broken system of the people with the power and the money deciding who should be acknowledged and celebrated. But at the same time, like, labels care about Peso Pluma right now. Like, labels care about Regional right now because they're being forced to, because they're selling out stadium tours and they're breaking records and you can't not pay attention to that. And it was the same thing that happened with reggaeton. I mean, these are commercially viable things. This is, in a way, pop music, you know, by their own definition of pop music. Music that can be sold, music that's unique, music that can be listened to around the world, regardless of language barrier. Regional does that. Reggaeton does that. I mean, you know, there's money to be made from it. And that's just, a, it's a realistic business proposition for them. So my question is, Felix, the tough question asker, I know I didn't answer your question, <laughs> but I'm turning it back on you. Okay. To me, what gives here? Why didn't, there is money here. There is buying power here. There is like acknowledgement. It feels to me like the Latin Grammys shooting themselves in the foot to not acknowledge this. I don't understand. Where was the where was the disconnect? I don't know, honestly, but I do know that the Academy over the years has struggled with how the industry's changing, how it's contracting, how it's expanding in different places. I remember, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, they eliminated the Latin jazz category completely, right? Mm -hmm. There was an uproar if you can call it an uproar, <laughs> not a major uproar among all the Latin an jazz people. An uproar in the Latin right? jazz Felix, Felix was fighting. But, but it spoke, Felix and but his all friends. Of, but all of these, all of, I wasn't involved because I'm a journalist, just for the record, everybody knows, okay? But I witnessed and I covered that fight back 
from the musicians themselves to reinstate that category. So they, they made a misstep, and it's not the first time that the academy, either academy, will make a misstep and then try to correct itself. I have no idea what it's like to try to corral this massive organization, an institution, and try to make it pivot on a dime, right? Like, how do you make that thing, like, react immediately to what's going on? But at the same time, Felix, like, and I think you're right, right, that it's, it takes a lot more work than we realize. This was a trend that, like, has grown wings so quickly, and it makes sense that it's hard for them to pivot, such a large organization, to respond. But I think also, like, the Academy, both the regular Grammys and the Latin Grammys, they're making changes all the time, right? They're adding categories. They're changing eligibility requirements. They're changing the number of people who can qualify for a certain category. I mean, these things are not set in stone, and they've made that very clear. There are new categories this year, right? So I also think it's like, how proactive are they being about responding to the categories that have a social and political implication, you know, and not just saying, we're going to put songwriter of the year. Of course, that's super important. But it's like, it seems like a conscious decision because they can bend and they can change. And it's reflective of when they're choosing to, to do that, you know. Here's my deal. I feel like I'm going to go back and slightly half answer your question, Felix. In a dream, <laughs> you're welcome. In a dream world. <laughs> I love I love streaming services. I love the fact that people can have the music in their hands and do what they want with it. And you get to see all kinds of crazy trends and moments because it's really about just what people care about. At the same time, something like the Academy, I appreciate that it exists because I want there to be people out there who are really caring about being tastemakers and being people who are like, no, but this is really good art. This is really good work that needs to be acknowledged. And what I would love to see is a body out there who isn't just, yeah, susceptible to literally just the the ebbs and flows of the trends of what people get excited about on TikTok and maybe they elevate certain songs that aren't like incredible pieces of art. But I also want to see a body who doesn't look at music that isn't upper class or that isn't of, you know, the echelon of artists that they love to love on because for whatever reason they see them as tastemakers, genre creators, whatever it is, like, I want them to acknowledge the importance of music's impact, even music that they don't think is proper, perfect art. And I that to me, I think the Academy could fill that role if they were able to get over themselves a little bit. Ooh. Burn. You get my finger snap? Snap. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I do think, Anna, to your point, it does seem like they kind of tried to acknowledge this like sort of change that streaming has brought, that social media has brought, right? Like we have Bicerap with the producer of the year. We have a bunch of his songs nominated. I mean, I think, you know, and, and, you know, it's incredible. We've talked about this. Regardless of how much you enjoy the songs, regardless of the craft of the songs, it's incredible what he's been able to do with literally a YouTube series that's like a curatorial thing. He's changing the role of the producer in Latin music by just inviting people on. It's very much branded about him as a producer and who he chooses to work with. I think that recognition is really important from the Academy, and it shows that they're aware that these changes are happening and they're aware of how social media and streaming is impacting the music industry, is impacting who's important to people, you know? But then again, it's like, mm-hmm. if that's the only person you're going to recognize for doing it, then how much does it really count? And like, also, can I just say, they're like a little ready, more ready to acknowledge like an Argentinian. A white guy? Like people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, I said Gringo Grammys, but Issa just said that. So. I mean, 
But it's true. It's true. I mean, let's not have the Spain conversation right now because that's a whole other thing. But Latin Grammys loves that. They love that. We'll be right back with this Latin Grammys conversation. This message comes from NPR sponsor Teladoc Health. There are lots of reasons for wanting to be healthy. Family, work, living a fuller life. Teladoc Health understands. Whether you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or just need to manage your weight, Teladoc Health can help. Visit TeladocHealth.com slash What's Your Why for more information. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C Health slash What's Your Why. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. When you book through Capital One Travel using the Venture X Card, you earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights, and you earn unlimited 2x miles on all other purchases. Plus, receive a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Lagunitas Brewing Company. Since 1993, Lagunitas has been challenging the status quo, brewing innovative beer, and crafting stories along the way. Featuring a wide range of craft brews, cult classics, and non-alcoholic options, there's a seat at the bar for everyone. Bring the dog, too. Lagunitas Brewing Company. Because every great song deserves a great beer. It's good to have friends. Learn more at lagunitas.com. And we're back with this Latin Grammys conversation. Okay, fam, we've talked about who's not there. Just so that people know, let's talk about who was nominated, okay? I'm just going to read off very quickly a list of who's nominated for uh, category number one, record of the year. Okay, Christina Aguilera, Pablo Alboran, Paula Arenas featuring Jesus Navarro, Bizarrap featuring Shakira, Fonseca, Juan Luis Guerra, Natalia Laforcade, Carol G., Lasso, Maluma, and Mark Anthony. That's that was an interesting combo. Uh, Rosalia and Alejandro Sainz, uh, featuring Danny Ocean. What do those names say? Does that reflect one style, one genre? Is it wide enough for you? Like, what is what do those names mean? You know, I think it shows. I don't know how to say this nicely. I I think all of those people are incredible artists, and I think they're deserving of recognition from the Academy. I'm especially excited to see Carol G in there. It's a huge year for her nomination-wise. I think she got seven. Um, and, you know, she put out two fantastic albums, one of which was within the eligibility period, uh, Mañana Será Bonito. What I do think, though, is that, and, and this goes back to what Anna was saying, these nominations kind of just cue who the Academy is comfortable nominating, and it also cues, like, who's loyal to the Academy, right? Like, some of these people have been there from the very beginning. The Latin Grammys have been around for 24 years. These are people who've been, you know, there from the start. I don't think it feels especially welcoming to newcomers or to younger artists. And that's no shade to the people who are there. Um, It just feels like Academy darlings a little bit to me. And I mean, I will throw a little shade to the people who are there. Like... I'm sorry. Go ahead, Anna. Go ahead, man. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I, I think I think you're right. I think some of these people absolutely do deserve their flowers. But again, it's like if we're going to act like we are me now role playing, I guess, as the Academy, if we, the Academy, are going to pretend and say that, you know, we're the ultimate arbiters of what is the best 
Latin music the best. Like if we're really making that claim, like then we have to challenge ourselves a little bit. And I'm not even talking about these artists that we've been naming that should have been on there that aren't. But I'm like, show me some artists who are really creating outstanding, forward-thinking, genre-expanding work. Because to me, that's not a lot of these names. They're doing stuff that's, like Issa said, comfortable. Okay, but does that come out in things like rock, urban... Latin jazz, instrumental, all these other categories. Does the genre stretching happen in other places besides the top five or six fields? Because let's keep in mind that these top fields, they get all the attention. They suck all the air out of the room. But my contention is is that uh, most of the creativity in Latin music comes in these down categories. I think you're right, Felix, but I still think that the big categories should reflect that. They, they, I think it's because they're the big ones, right? they should be a little bit more reflective of the diversity within Latin music. And I mean, to be completely honest, like I love seeing Danny Ocean on there, you know, Venezuela shout out. And I think it's cool to see somebody like Alejandro Sanz, who is an Academy darling at this point in his career, working with people like Danny Ocean. And I guess there's like creative bridges getting the recognition from the Academy. But I do think like, I don't know, why are we limiting the creativity and the experimentation to the other categories? Why isn't that recognized for what it's doing in the big ones? But, like, do we also have beef with the categories? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. How much time do we have? You know, again, going down to the alternative album categories, song categories, you know, we have Ile, we have Montier Periné, who's certainly stretching the, the genre, the idea. That is true. You know, 100%. I'll confess that every time the nominations come out, whether it's Grammy or Latin Grammy, I go immediately to the jazz section to see who's being nominated because. I have favorites, and I also have friends who make the music. And I will say that when these down-category artists get nominated, it helps them in a, in ways that are completely different and distinct from the big pop stars. Because these artists be, are able to, number one, for example, lift maybe increase their asking price for gigs a little bit. Mm-hmm. They get better rooms. They get booked at better festivals. You know, it helps them. It increases them. So as I said, I think I said at the beginning... There are reasons to to accept and, and, and endorse uh, what's going on here at the Latin Grammys because it really does. I've seen it. It makes a very, very big difference for some of these musicians. Who are you excited about in the Latin jazz categories? Who got nominated this year? Roxana Ahmed. Who's, oh, is, I love right? her. She's a, a great vocalist. H- Hamilton de Holanda, who's a great, great Brazilian musician. Uh, Ivan Melon Lewis in the Cuban Swing Express. William Meister, a big band. Chucho Valdez and Paquito de Rivera Aww. with the Reunion Sextet, their album called I Missed You and Too. And they also did some nuts performances yeah. this year. So, you know, they're, they're, I go immediately there just to see who's there and see who was able to make the nod. Felix, that was one of my favorite shows. Remember I went to go see Hollywood Bowl? Oh, that's right. It made you super jealous. Yeah, very jealous. <laughs> it was a very good moment. But it, that's the Latin jazz category. I also want to point out in, in one of the down categories, as I call them, all Latino favorite Gabby Moreno was nominated for a children's album. Wow. I did not realize. she. Why did we never hear that, Felix? That's amazing. <laughs> Gabby Moreno in Zona Neon. OK, 
Okay, so I've waved my magic wand and made you the head of the academy. Oh, we've thank solved, you, Felix. We've <laughs> solved all the problems. We've made this so much easier for the academy. I hope they're taking notes. We've made it easier for them next year. Felix, am I banned next year? <laughs> You're only going to the Gringo Grammys, Anna. Now you're not going to be able to go to the Latin Grammys anymore. <laughs> well, and now the Gringo Grammys knows I call them the Gringo Grammys, so I'm banned from there too. <laughs> Derogatory. You know, I think that uh, the Academy is used to um, people calling them to task, and I think that, uh, that the way we talked about that and the way that they pivot, change, expand, contract, I think that's their way of trying to reflect what's going on. They have tough skin. I think they'll be okay. I think they'll let you back in. Felix, you always give me hope. (laughs) (laughs) To close this out, for people who want to see all 56 categories of uh, nominations. Yeah, I do. Every year. I go right to the bottom. Going right to Latin jazz. (laughs) And then go down from there to classical, et cetera. Okay, for people who are interested in looking at all 56 categories of the Latin Grammys, you can go to our website at npr.org slash altlatino. Or better yet, if by popular demand the people speak and want it, we can make Felix read audiobook style all 56 (laughs) categories. With his personal opinion on each one. (laughs) With a small 10-second performance interpretation. (laughs) Of the music. Isa, thank you so much for joining us. It's fun. You got to come back, okay? I know. Please. Thank you, guys. Happy to do it. You have been listening to Alt Latino from NPR Music. Our audio producer for this episode is Saraya Mohammed. Our editor is Hazel Sills. And the woman who keeps it all going is Grace Chung. As always, shout out to our jefe in chief, Keith Jenkins, VP of Music and Visuals. I'm Ana Maria Sayer. I'm Felix Contreras. Thanks for listening. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.